Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Howard David Live. Take a bite of the Big Apple today with Daryl Slater of the Newark Star-Ledger covering both the Jets and the Giants. Uh, Daryl, I don't know that I can remember where there have been so many trades in the first round of the draft where of the top 20 picks, there were six receivers and the absence of quarterbacks. I mean, just some of the highlights I'm sure you could add to that. Yeah, it was certainly kind of a wacky draft, and as we, you know, for, it's funny for all the trades that there were. Um, as much as we talked on here about uh, the possibility of the Jets or Giants trading back, uh, that didn't happen. Um, they made their picks. The Jets at four and ten, the Giants at five and seven, and of course the Jets actually traded uh, back up into the first round to get a third uh, first round pick in Jermaine Johnson, the edge rusher who fell. So the Jets did did keep with that trend. Of course, neither team picked a quarterback. It just, you know, there wasn't a good year for that, obviously. And neither team was really in the market. But the Jets, Jets did keep with the receiver trend. They get Garrett Wilson from Ohio State at number 10. And so, uh, yeah, it was certainly an interesting first round in Las Vegas and now a fun weekend overall. Now, somebody made the observation, and it's accurate, every year the Jets, after making a pick, would get booed by their own fans. <laughs> that was not that was not the case. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's gone the other direction where most people feel like if the Jets didn't have the best draft, they certainly were right near the top. Yeah, I mean it's all it's all hard to, to say. You know, we'll know in a few years. Blah blah blah, all that right. stuff. But yeah, I wrote a whole story for Friday about that very thing about how Jets fans uh, typically are. You know, the, the draft is known for you know the flashy suits. People, you know, the players hugging Roger Goodell, the fans booing Roger Goodell, but also for, for especially when the draft was in New York, for Jet fans going nuts about the pick. And there's a whole compilation of it uh, that ESPN put together. And so, but you're right. I mean, the, the, it's hard to find a lot of flaws with this Jets draft in terms of filling the needs and doing it in a big time way. I mean, Sauce Gardner at number four perhaps the, the best corner in this draft either him or Derek Stingley and Stingley certainly had some red flags with injuries and then they get uh, Garrett Wilson at 10 they needed a number one receiver and then everyone's thinking gee what about edge rusher what about edge rusher but guess what Jermaine Johnson's there at 26 they move one of the second round picks uh, that they had gotten they had an extra second round pick of course from the Sam Darnold deal they move up they get Jermaine Johnson so they were able to hit on three big need areas and then they get Brees Hall, the best uh, running back in the draft in the second round. So a lot to like for the Jets, and uh, let's see if this coaching staff and this quarterback can take advantage of, of this influx of talent. Well, you look at, uh, Daryl, you look at all these mock drafts uh, that were weeks before the draft, 
And they're obviously, I mean, these are projections by guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay and guys like that that really are wired into this stuff. But having said all of that, Jermaine Johnson, as an example, uh, one of the mock drafts I saw was going to be the fourth overall pick by the Jets. Yeah, I mean, any team that needed an edge rusher in the top 10, namely being the Jets and the Giants, who had four picks in the top 10 combined, he was mentioned as a possibility. There were some concerns, I think, about uh, health status and that sort of thing. And now he was a one-year wonder in college. He really didn't do much of anything besides his past year when he had a monster year at Florida State. Confident kid. I got a chance to talk to him Wednesday when there was a big media session of draft prospects. He you know, he felt like uh, then he said, I don't have a, there's nothing I can't do, he said. So now he gets a chance to go prove it for a team that has not had an elite edge rusher since 2005, which is John Abraham's last year with the Jets. And really, they had some flashes with Muhammad Wilkerson, but didn't pan out over the long haul. And you know, this is a team, of course, that in OA drafted Vernon Bolston, an edge rusher, uh, in the first round, high in the first round. And uh, just hasn't been able to hit on that edge rusher. And now I think the interesting thing about Johnson is he'll have plenty of opportunities because teams will have to honor Carl Lawson, uh, presuming he's able to come back from that torn Achilles tendon. So this is a good spot for Jermaine Johnson, a team that needs an edge rusher, and um, he'll have uh, he'll have some opportunities playing opposite Carl Lawson. Now and they got John Franklin Myers too. So like uh, you know they're not going to necessarily need Jermaine Johnson to be the guy initially. That all. Um, That'll be a good, it'll be a good situation for him, and he's certainly a guy who's coming in with something to prove after he had the most notable fall in the draft in round one. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Daryl Slater of the Newark Star-Ledger, covering both the Jets and the Giants. The Giants' pick of Kayvon Thibodeau at five was particularly interesting because I thought the Jets might take him at four. Uh, he, he, look, he's, he's a very outgoing guy. Uh, I'm not sure that I could handle wearing what he wear, but uh, then again, I'm not his age. <laughs> but, uh, the fact is, is that this guy comes in with tremendous credentials. I look at this guy now, when I, in college versus the pros, it's different as we both know. But there's a lot to like about this guy. Oh, yeah, big time resume, certainly more so than Jermaine Johnson. And he was a guy who was referenced as potentially being the number one pick. Uh probably in the in the in the in come you know, middle of the season he was you know everyone thought you know he's probably not going to be there out of the top two and he, he was there at four because uh Derek Stingley was taken by the Texans at three which is an interesting one obviously uh, I mentioned Stingley the concerns around Stingley so I think forever you know for years now there's going to be this debate you know did the Jets make the right call passing on Kayvon Thibodeau and taking Sauce Gardner at number four. And there's certainly a possibility both of these kids uh, wind up having great careers in this market. And if they do, considering how cocky, confident, you know, cocky in a good way, uh, they both are, uh, they'll be faces of these franchises for years to come. Now, we've said that about so many of these other guys that they've drafted, going Sam Darnold all the way back, Mark Sanchez and everything. And they've never been able to make it last. But uh, these two guys both have really big personalities. They're both really confident. They're not afraid to talk themselves up, which is kind of fun for us to cover. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the rookie hiccups. But Thibodeau uh, goes to a team of the Giants who yeah, hasn't been like the Jets in terms of the lack of edge rushers. Obviously, they've had some really good ones that helped them win Super Bowls, even though those Super Bowls feel like a lifetime ago. But the, the Giants trying to rediscover their pass rush have really struck out on outside linebackers in recent years. and um, 
in O'Shane Zimenez, Lorenzo Carter, um, and now they pair him with Aziz Ojolari last year's second-round pick, and, and let's see how that pass rush now looks for those two guys and with Leonard Williams. So they need more, for sure, from the pass rush the Giants do, and they're going to be counting on immediately on Kayvon Thibodeau to try to deliver that. Darrell, let's uh, even before the draft, there was news around the Giants when the Giants declined to pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. Number one, were you surprised at that? Number two, the message seems pretty clear. This is not about whether or not it's a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones. <laughs> I mean, it, it's either he puts up big numbers or he's going to be playing elsewhere. Correct. 100%. No, and I wasn't surprised. I mean, this is a new GM, and the fifth-year option is now fully guaranteed at the time a team picks it up. It would have been crazy for the Giants to guarantee him $23 million in twenty in the 2023 or 21 or whatever it was, um, considering he hasn't really shown enough to deserve that. So I was not surprised. Um, if he goes out and does not play well, Look, I find it hard to believe that come next February that he's he's gonna he's gonna have cemented himself as as the guy going forward. I think this is a team that probably will wind up uh, picking a quarterback next year in the draft. I just have not seen enough of Daniel Jones to, to feel like he's going to be um, you know to feel comfortable saying he's going to be the guy. If, if he lights it up this year, I'll be surprised. Um, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I just I, I would bet more so on the other side of it that he continues to play like he has. The supporting cast and the line is better, um, but is it good you know good enough to really boost a guy whose ceiling may not be high uh, into that you know way higher status? I don't think so. So the right call there. If he does look, if he does light it up, they have the franchise tag. It's obviously a lot more expensive than the fifth year option would be. Um, but that that they do have that at their disposal. They'd love to see him light it up. They'd love to they'd love to pay the extra money and franchise tag him. I mean, that would be a lot easier than having the reset button. Uh, but they just couldn't commit to to, to the fifth year option because, like I said, now under the new CBA, uh, it is it is fully guaranteed at the time you pick it up. Let me talk, Daryl, about a couple of other players on the Giants. Saquon Barkley. Uh, there was this criticism about the Giants when they picked him as high as they did at number two. Uh, I've talked to Bill Parcells about Saquon Barkley, and he says that that he's going to have to learn to run between the tackles. He's not done that. He's an outside runner. Uh, Are we ever going to see a Saquon Barkley run between the tackles, Uh, particularly with what you would perceive to be an improved offensive line? They are improved on the edges. I mean, well, if, if Andrew Thomas continues to grow, he's going to be a better Andrew Thomas than he was last year. Evan Neal is immediately going to be an upgrade from right tackle last year. Low bar there with Nate Solder, <laughs> of course, in that pair. Uh, now, you talk about running between the tackles. Uh, I think right guard will be better with Mark Lewinsky over uh, Will Hernandez, but there's still a lot of question marks at left guard. Like, who is their left guard going to be? I mean, it could be this kid, Josh Zudu, who they just drafted in the third round. I mean, that, they have a lot of questions at left guard, and John Feliciano is not you – know, he's a known name, but it's not like he's some star center. So a lot depends on the interior blocking. And But if all goes right, I mean, yeah, that would certainly be – part of the mindset for Saquon Barkley to be able to assert himself mm-hmm. as more of a power downhill runner. Um, I don't see in any way you can commit to him long-term. I just, uh, I, I, I'm, we'll see what he does this year, but like the running back position is so devalued and rightfully so because of the injuries that it's just hard for me to see a way in which the giants 
wind up bringing him back. I think they wind up letting him walk in free agency after he has probably an above average year, and uh, and they try to you know see if they can get a comp pick for him based on how it all shakes out in free agency. But it's just it's it, they can't commit to him. I mean, maybe he goes out and lights it up and proves me wrong and rediscovers everything and gets what amounts to a decent contract for a running back now, but. It's it's hard to envision. Um, I think you know, he has sort of become uh, just just that. That's part of his identity. A guy who can't stay healthy, and until proven otherwise, people can only assume what they've seen. Uh, Daryl Slater of the Newark Star Ledger. Let's talk about uh, another player uh, now in his second year, Kadarius Tony. Uh, I mean, he showed a lot of immaturity last year with some of the things he said. Uh, I don't know how you would evaluate his performance on the field, but there was talk that the Giants would try to move him. Uh, is, the, is that uh, fact or fiction? Well, I think they were listening. Um, I, you know, and you can interpret that, however, you know, in a couple different ways. You know, Joe Shane and he, you know, and any GM, they'll always say, "Well, we're always going to listen. We're always going to listen." Well, you know, I think that uh, I think that you know the, it, that that can be seen in a few different ways. I mean, it's certainly going to be uh, more notable. The we're always going to listen mindset when you're talking about a guy who had a rocky rookie season, you know, and, and, and it's not like he got in trouble uh, criminally during the year. He did some dumb stuff. He hit a guy during in the head during a game, got ejected, you know, said some stupid things, but uh, his performance at times flashed. I mean, he had a really good game in Dallas in the same game where he, he smacked the player in the head and got kicked out of the game. Uh, but he was also hurt uh, quite a bit. Um, so he, he was absent uh, for a lot of the offseason because he skipped voluntary workouts, and then he had COVID. And so there was just a lot of drama around him. I don't. Th- I think that he has some skills. Um, he has not been at voluntary workouts. He had not been, but then he did show up <laughs> once those trade rumors came up. Um, we'll see. I think that there, there's still some there's some talent in this kid if he can commit to everything in terms of um, getting into this playbook and embracing this offense. Um, and, and, and I think that there's, there's certainly going to be a role for him because if you just look at the depth chart, uh, Sterling Shepard is not going to be around for a little while because of a torn Achilles tendon mm. uh, that he had late in the season. So there's, there's going to be an opportunity for Kadarius Tony. It's up to him to show that he deserves to have a long-term future in this league. It didn't stop the Giants from going out and drafting a wide receiver in right. Wendell Robinson out of Kentucky. Uh, you talk to people about him, and the word playmaker comes up often. What do you What do you know about him? Small, but uh, so the curious thing about that pick is, you know, he's definitely more undersized than Kadarius Tony, who who is not you wouldn't qualify as a big receiver. So. Like gadget receiver is how you could kind of buy if you wanted to pigeonhole those guys into just a three word description or two word description. Gadget receiver uh, for both of those guys. And so, is there some redundancy there? Perhaps. Um, I think if you look at how Mike Kafka and Brian Dable have have crafted their offensive approaches over the years, there's always room for that type of player. Um, so maybe he's a guy that is going to have a package of plays, jet sweeps, that sort of thing, which is sort of kind of what Kadarius Tony did at Florida. Um, so I think maybe this is a just just spitballing. I think this might be a situation where Brian Dable looks at this offensive line and says, "Look, we have some protection issues. We're not going to be able to sit back there with Daniel Jones, have him sit back there for 
three, four seconds and, and chuck the ball down the field. This is a team that's going to have to use misdirection um, and some of these, some of window dressing and those sort of things, unpredictability and versatility of the playmakers in the field to keep defenses off balance, that they can't necessarily uh, just run a traditional type offense and that there's some room here for that college type spread jet sweep type offense it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate that because a lot of that's perhaps going to be necessitated by their their blocking limitations because even though the line's better like i mentioned there's still some question marks especially with the interior and you're going to be starting a rookie at right tackle there's no given that that's going to go smoothly even though he was a high draft everyone remembers how andrew thomas's rookie year went so um i think there's a i thought it was an interesting pick because you could have said, hey, why not a cornerback there, right? Because they're probably going to move on from James Bradbury. They did not find any immediate solutions, starting solutions at cornerback in this draft. But when your roster is as bad as this team's is, you know, it's hard to get it all done in one offseason. I'm getting the feeling that, uh, I mean, if I asked you, which team do you think is going to be more competitive, the Giants and the Jets? Uh, I- I'm thinking it's the Jets. Uh, I don't think you're going to disagree. I would say, yeah. I mean, look, the Giants have a slight edge at quarterback, but that's an extremely low bar because Zach Wilson had a had a very uneven rookie year for right. multiple reasons. Right. So until proven, yeah, let's see the kid do something. Daniel Jones has at least done something, right? So, so a lot of it hinges. I think there's a possibility they're both really, really bad, but um, I think the Jets uh, have an opportunity, and they've given Zach Wilson an opportunity to take this team to the position where they could be in the conversation in November and December, given. If all health things go right, just be in the conversation for a playoff spot. There's an extra playoff spot now. There's no reason that we should be sitting here at Thanksgiving and the Jets should be out of it again. Out of the con- you're talking about out of mathematically out of the conversation. The Giants, I think this is going to be a long year for them. Um, Joe Shane has sort of decided to rip the Band-Aid off here and clear a lot of cap space as much as he could. Um there's not a lot he could have done in free agency because Dave Gettleman left and really salary cap hell. And so there, it's it's a really tough situation. It's almost a mulligan first year. This is going to be a multi-year process for the Giants starting like this year. Uh, whereas the Jets with Joe Douglas, this is, if you really think about it, probably the third year because it's his third full offseason. So there's going to need to be some progress. So the teams are on different timelines in their rebuild. The Jets are a little bit farther along, but... Uh, as usual, a lot depends on the quarterback. You hitch a wagon to a high draft pick quarterback. If he doesn't pan out, a lot of the other stuff really doesn't matter. Look, Joe Douglas's goal was to give Zach Wilson more weapons. Well, he's done that. That wide receiver room now looks impressive. Uh, with, the, with the drafting of Garrett Wilson, who a lot of people thought was the best receiver in this draft, we'll find out. But uh, Elijah Moore showed flashes last year that uh, he's for real. Uh, the re-signing of Braxton Berrios, I think, was was a necessity for the Jets because not only as a kick returner, but he proven he's proven that he can be a good receiver. And then you got Corey Davis. Uh, tight end position has been fortified. Uh, they drafted another tight end on top of the two they signed in free agency. So all of a sudden, you're seeing what Douglas set out to do. He delivered on the promise. We'll see how the results pan out. He did. He did. He he, you know, he got. He looked at this offense and said, "This is this is the sort of um, plan we're going to have. We're going to rebuild a tight end." And so they signed 
Conklin and Uzama, two tight ends of free agency. They draft the tight end Bellinger. And so they feel good about the tight end, right? So you that's you kind of have to have that in this West Coast offense with Michael Florence that, you know, it's like Shanahan's system. And uh, obviously a West Coast offense for years has used the tight end pretty heavily. And then they're going to use a running back by committee. So everyone says, why? why? And I think I'm pronouncing his name, Brees Hall, even though it has that extra C in there. <laughs> it's kind of... Um, and so why, why draft a running back there? You have Michael Carter. Well, so they want to have a one, two punch at running back. They feel like they have that now. Okay. Um, and that's better than spending on a running back. You've got two running backs at there at that position who was a second round pick and a fourth round pick a little, you know, certainly better than committing Le'Veon Bell money to a position that's devalued. Okay. So they feel good about that. Um, they needed to get better on the interior of their line and they got the, maybe the best guard, second best guard out there, Lake and Tomlinson. So that was a, a big, big important thing for them to improve their protection. There, there's going to be spots in this line, both lines for both teams, right? So, like, the focus is going to be on Thomas. Can he take the next step, right? Makai Becton just need, he needs to be functional and available. If he's exactly. not functional and available, this team, it could be trouble because there's not really a safety net behind him mm-hmm. uh, if he can't get on the field. Um, so they're going to need him to come through. So Joe Douglas has certainly done the things that he said he was going to do to put pieces around, uh, to put pieces around Zach Wilson. And uh, now those those pieces need to, to prove they were worth the investment. Taking a bite of the Big Apple with Darryl Slater of the Newark Star Ledger. Uh, when when you, um, you consider what the Jets have tried to do, they were heavily involved in the bidding for Tyreek Hill. Um, if they had added maybe the 10th overall pick, who knows? But it seemed pretty certain that Tyreek Hill wanted to go to Miami, and, and that's where he's from, and that's where he wanted to play. However, uh, the Jets were also in connection. We were linked with Debo Samuel. It didn't work out. So I have to believe that because they didn't make those moves, that's what got them to take the tight end, from, I mean the wide receiver from Ohio State. 100%. Yeah, and I didn't even, I, on my spiel previously, I wasn't didn't even get to the receiver stuff. But, yeah, so, like you brought it up, but they need Davis to be healthy and better. Now, he, is the pressure as much on him to be a number one as it was before? No, because they have Garrett Wilson now, at, who they got at number 10, and we've seen that receivers can come in and make an impact immediately in today's NFL. So they need more, obviously, in the slot, Elijah Moore, to give them more um, and, be you know, be – more consistent and uh you know Barrios is going to be a guy who's a gadget player and a special teams player but th- that's a nice trio i mean garrett wilson elijah moore Corey davis a decent more than decent trio and i asked garrett wilson this after the draft i was out there in vegas i said he asked at one point in his press conference he goes did debo get traded and everyone's like no he's like oh i haven't checked my phone i guess they kind of sort of know each other i said i said you know like if the Jets had traded for him, they wouldn't have drafted you because they would have traded the number 10 pick. And he right. goes, oh, yeah. Well, I said, you know, what do you think about that? Because, you know, you're essentially the person they're gonna fans are going to look at and say, well, we could have had Debo Samuel instead of taking this guy if you don't work out. I didn't phrase it as harshly as that, but that's, that's how it's going to go, the narrative. If this kid doesn't perform, fair or not. I, you know, he said he wasn't worried about it and that whole thing, so it's what you'd expect there. But, uh, but that is the truth. I mean, like, they didn't really make a strong offer for Debo Samuel. Um, they they certainly could have made a bigger offer for him. And, you know, you see what they offered. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't anything enormous. It wasn't enough for the 49ers to move on from him to to give him up. Uh, and so yes, they were in on Tyreek Hill. They're obviously in on. Re- they want to recommit to the receiver position. And 
it comes down to, you know, can Garrett Wilson make an immediate impact like, say, a Jamar Chase did last year to really help boost Joe Burrow to the next level? Um, a lot of pressure on, that, on this kid. He's a, he's a soft-spoken kid. Out of all, he's been in the spotlight at Ohio State. And, uh, you know, let's see um, what he can bring the Jets immediately. It'll be certainly a fun connection, the Wilson-to-Wilson connection, if they're able to make it work. No, all they need is Wilson the uh, volleyball from uh, Castaway. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> All right. Uh, in the AFC East, I mean, the Jets have uh, they've finished fourth in five of the, the last six years. They've won no more than seven games. Obviously, uh, the arrow's pointing up if all of these people pan out. But when you look at the AFC East, there's no question that Buffalo is a heavy favorite to emerge out of the division. If not the AFC, they may be the top team in the AFC. Miami made some good moves, obviously Tyree Kill. I have one question about Tyree Kill, as great a player as I think he is. Keep in mind, Patrick Mahomes is the one throwing to him. Is he going to be as productive with Tua? Yeah, right. It's like the chicken and egg type thing, right? Did, you know, who made who? And, 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 and certainly, if Tyree Kill is able to equal his production in Miami with that quarterback, then, then hey, you know, God bless him because then that really cements his status as a truly elite, elite, really good wide receiver. So we know he's really good, and I think he'll make Tua better. Um, but obviously there are quarterback limitations in Miami that he did not have to deal with in, in Kansas City. Uh, it, with the New England Patriots, a, a lot of people question the Patriots' picks. And if it was any other coach, you'd probably rip them. But it's Belichick. And we've seen this movie before where Belichick makes choices – that people look at quizzically and they say, well, really? Uh, <laughs> I- I'm not going to question Belichick. He's been way too successful for him to take any criticism from anybody. Yeah, and then look, I mean, the Mac Jones pick looks really good right now. I mean, he was he is probably the most productive uh, quarterback in that rookie class, at least immediately last year, and let's see what he does this year. And um, yeah, I think in, until proven otherwise that Bill Belichick deserves certainly the benefit of the doubt, but I'm sure Patriots fans are looking at this and saying, hey, we're ready to get back to the AFC Championship game at least, you know, um, even if they don't view this team as necessarily a Super Bowl contender um, immediately in year two for Mac Jones. But the AFC East for the Jets is a situation where, no, they're probably not going to win it. Um, but with, there's a third wild card in each conference now, so the Jets ought to be in. They they ought to be a team that can that can even if they go into against the Bills, they should be able to try to at least split against the Patriots and the Dolphins. It's not outside the realm of possibility. That's not too big of an ask for this Jets team to to try to do that. Now the Jets do have to play some like ridiculously good quarterbacks this year, including a trip to Green Bay to face Aaron Rodgers. Um, so. That's going to be a challenge for Robert Sala's defense. For as much as we talk about the Zach Wilson development, um, this defense was one of the worst in the NFL. Zach Wilson had nothing really to do with that. They were one of the worst in the NFL last year. They had injuries, too. Their back end was a disaster. They upgraded a corner with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Low bar there. You know, their corners, uh, Bryce Hall and Brandon Eccles, were not very good last year. So, they should be competitive on defense. They may not be an elite defense. They ought to be a lot more competitive. But if they're and if they're not, I mean, it really doesn't matter what Zach Wilson does. They cannot be the second worst defense in the league again, especially considering the quarterbacks they're going to have to face. So, um, I think that the, this Jets team, big picture, when you look at them and where they fit in in the AFC, like I said at the start, they need to be in the conversation. Like after Halloween, they got to be in the conversation in the final two months of the season. 
where you you talk about them and say they're they're in the hunt, you know, when you see that graphic on the screen of the TV, they're in the hunt at least. You look outside the division, uh, they meet the Cleveland Browns, which will be interesting with uh, Deshaun Watson. And who knows if Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended or not by the NFL. You don't know when you're going to even see the guy. Yeah, and they have not traded Baker Mayfield. And so uh, I would think that he gets some kind of suspension um, because, you know, you've seen this before where the the, the most obvious parallels Ben Roethlisberger who had was accused uh, by multiple women of sexual assault and there were no uh, they didn't reach a criminal there was a criminal investigation but you know he was not charged uh, just like Deshaun Watson yet the NFL still suspended him um, because the NFL does not have to adhere to whatever the, the legal um, realm decides so uh yeah, I think it's certainly a possibility that Deshaun Watson gets a significant suspension. And so then what for the Browns? So um, the, you, you, the, their status as contenders uh, certainly depends quite a bit on, on how long Deshaun Watson is, is out, presuming he does get at least some suspension. Uh, you look at the AFC North, the Ravens you think will be better, although uh, uh, Lamar Jackson was a little bit teeved about his number one receiver getting uh, sent away. Uh, he, he knew. I mean, the guy shows up at the Arizona Cardinals draft party. Why was that a surprise to anybody, right? Um, you know, Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl last year. Dealing with Joe Burrow is going to be tough. Got to go to go to go Denver. Uh, that has a quarterback you may have heard of by the name of Russell Wilson. So I, I don't think the schedule is overbearing. I think it's doable. The question is, the Jets... You know, you've got a situation in front of you. What do you want to do? And do you want to play like with confidence or not? And look, in the AFC, are you ready to say that Kansas City is not going to be the same team without Tyreek Hill? I'm not. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to yeah, be I mean, very, they, that, That's a big loss. Yeah, it's a huge loss. There's no question. As for the Giants, uh, Philadelphia has improved themselves through the draft. Uh, they're going to be a factor. Would you say they're they're good enough to challenge Dallas? Yeah, you know, I, a lot. So much depends on Jalen Hurts. Obviously, the getting AJ Brown was such an enormous, enormous addition for for Jalen Hurts. Got has got personal chemistry with him in addition to you know Brown just being a really good receiver. So that that could be a piece that really helps put this Eagles team into the, into division contender status. Let me ask you one more thing before I let you go. Uh, Joe Shane is. Uh, cut a couple of people from the scouting area. Uh, I mean, he wants to put his, his handprint uh, on this organization. There's no doubt about it. You know, the new broom has swept clean. He took a hack. He took a hacksaw to their, their scouting department. Yeah, Chris Pettit, the college scouting director, is out. Kyle O'Brien, another prominent member of their scouting department, who was just added last year, is out as well. Um, you typically see this sort of thing after the drafts because, you know, people say, why not before the draft? Well, the guy could go run to another team and give, give away the draft plans. So that's why this stuff happens after the draft. And then the GM brings in his own people. Now, of course, Brandon Brown came over from the Eagles to be the assistant GM right after Joe Shane was hired, replaced Kevin Abrams, who was moved into a different role. So uh, within, within the Giants. So there will be two new faces in prominent roles with, with Joe Shane's front office. Of course, Joe Shane at the top, Brandon Brown, the assistant GM, and then a couple other prominent guys to replace Chris Pettit and Kyle O'Brien uh, there as Joe Shane continues to put his imprint on, on this 
on this team. Uh, and so you, you, you sort of see this from, from time to time. I mean, the Joe Douglas did this, uh, Mike McCagnan did this, um, and uh, it's not surprising, um, but ultimately the buck stops with the GM, and uh, Joe Shane was the one who made the calls in this draft, yep. and uh, we'll make the calls going forward. So now you've worked your tail off through all of this. What do you do now? <laughs> For me, personally? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a breather, and then guess what? It's right, you know, it's right under rookie mini camps Now, thankfully not this weekend with the rookie mini camps. So the Mother's Day weekend is not uh, going to be occupied by Giants rookie mini camp at least. I'll be Giants rookie mini camp next weekend, our first glimpse of Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, and then right into uh, organized team activities, OTAs and minicamp. Now, we don't get to watch a lot of those, but we'll get to watch some, and so it'll be out there, spring practices. I guess you borrow the college football term, uh, about six of those on top of what we see in the rookie mini camp, and then we'll get to see how Brian Dable is really coaching this team on the field, and uh, it'll be fascinating to see. Really appreciate your insight, Darrell. Thanks a million for your time, and you stay safe. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. He's Darrell Slater of the Newark Star-Ledger. Covers both the Jets and the Giants. I think it's going to be interesting. I really do. Um, I think the Giants have a longer way to go to be competitive than the Jets do, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, If history means anything, we've seen the optimism. If you remember during the Rex Ryan era, they went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games, and then everything went in the dump. I mean, it's been 11 years since they've been in the playoffs. It's been more recent for the Giants. And keep in mind, the last time the Giants won a playoff game was when they won it all, under Eli Manning as their quarterback and won the Super Bowl. So time will tell. The one thing we do know is that the draft is a crapshoot. Sometimes you benefit, sometimes you don't. There's a lot of there's a lot of busts and a lot of hits. The question is, if you're the GM of the Jets and the Giants, you better hope that you make more hits than busts. Now, Joe Shane's the new guy on the block. Joe Douglas has been here now for three years. You would think he's, he's, he's more in the hot seat uh, if things don't pan out, but uh, if you're a Jet fan or a Giant fan, you're encouraging. Let's continue the bite of the Big Apple. Talk about what has been a tremendous start in the first month to the baseball season in the New York metropolitan area. The Yankees and the Mets have, well, the Yankees have the best record in the American League. The Mets have the best record in the National League. Max Scherzer has been a tremendous addition to the, to the, uh, to the Mets. We had to wait for Garrett Cole to finally get out of that sluggish couple of starts, but his last start certainly was productive. Uh, as for the bats, I mean, my goodness. My goodness. I mean, the Yankee bats, as an example, uh, you got uh, Rizzo, who's leading uh, He's leading uh, the American League, actually leading baseball in home runs with nine. Right behind him is Aaron Judge, off to a tremendous start as well. And then you see Giancarlo Stanton, who's contributed home runs. But how about the catch he made yesterday? I mean, we don't expect to see great defense from Stanton, but he sure he sure made it happen. No question about it. Today's a big day for the Mets because they had a doubleheader with the Atlanta Braves, who beat them last night. The Braves will be interesting. They're off to a, a slow start. Keep in mind, they just got Ronald Acuna back after missing uh, and not being not playing since July. Uh, so they got him back. Their bullpen is outstanding. We'll see if their starting pitching can catch up to the bullpen. But 
I think it's still going to come down to the Mets and the Braves in the National League East. I think it's going to come down to the Yankees in Toronto in the American League East. We'll see. Should be a lot of fun. It should be a fun summer in that area. Tonight, the Rangers start their playoff run against arch enemy Pittsburgh. The Rangers and the Penguins get it going tonight. Uh, I'm a longtime Ranger fan. I have no problem telling you that. Uh, so, I mean, back to the days of Gump Worsley. I mean, that's that's a long time ago. Back to the days of Vic Hadfield, Louis Fontenotto, you name it. I mean, I, I, when I was, as a kid going to high school in New York, uh, we my, my friends and I used to go to Madison Square Garden and sit way up in the rafters for a half a buck. Same thing would go to a Nick game, except back in those days, we could buy a ticket for 50 cents. I would go to the game with 2 or $3. That's all I had, plus my subway tokens to get me to the game. And the thing that was great about it, at times, you got to see a garden doubleheader where two teams from the NBA would play at 7 o'clock, and then the Knicks would play the late game against another opponent. You got a doubleheader for the price of one game. I mean, talk about maximizing your money. Half a buck to see two NBA games. Are you kidding me? Enough money left over to get a hot dog, a popcorn, or a drink, or whatever you wanted to get. A lot of good times. A lot of good times. As for the Jets and the Giants, keep your fingers crossed. I think the Jets have a tremendous upside. But Zach Wilson's got to prove that he can be the guy. And with what they have surrounded him with, they've certainly given him enough weapons to be productive. As for Daniel Jones, I mean, the handwriting's on the wall. They declined to give him the option for the fifth year. So now he's going to have to earn it. You're going to have to earn your money, Mr. Jones. Uh, I think he's got the ability. The question is, we'll see. We'll see how the offensive line, which has undergone some changes, gives him the protection that he needs, and he's got to cut back on the turnovers. Plain and simple. That's a bite of the Big Apple. I'm Howard David. You stay safe.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.